Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining the podcast today. And I have here with me my friends. I say here, we're actually speaking online or virtually, but uh, my friends Graham and Ashley Scobie, thank you guys so much for making time for the Boca Podcast listeners. Thanks for having us. Thanks a lot. We had the opportunity to connect in person, fortunately, um, at Salt Lake City a couple months. No, it's not even been a month ago, I guess, at a conference, the Photo Native conference there. We had the opportunity to speak there. Um, and we did lunch one day and got to catch up a little bit. We yeah. we actually used to be on the same side of the country. You, you guys were down in Atlanta. I'm in the Chattanooga area. But you've since moved to Denver, correct? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And uh, the summer of 2016, we made the big move across the country. And I actually said Denver, but you're not specifically in Denver. Whereabouts in Colorado? We're we're in the Denver metro area. We're okay. on the west side of Denver. So uh, we're in a town called Golden that's made famous by the Coors factory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no way. Okay. Well, and, and you were talking about the, the weather there, which is kind of a funny, almost like cliche topic, but it's interesting because I'm literally looking outside my window right now. It's just this kind of gray, dreary day, but, but um, relatively warm temperatures here, about 50 and you were talking about how, like, in they say that um, you can have all four seasons in a day there where you've gone snow skiing and then come down off the mountain and go biking in your shorts. What What is that like? Yeah, it's it's kind of bizarre. You know, we, Ash and I both grew up in Atlanta, which is a, a pretty constant climate, I would call it. You know, it's, you, you kind of, it's really hot when it's hot and yep. it just stays that way for weeks. And then it, you know, it gets kind of cold and it stays kind of humid and cold for weeks. And here, you know, you can have four seasons in a day. You know, there've been days where we woke up to fresh snow on the ground and it was 70 that afternoon. So it really kind of moves around on us, which has been fun and, uh, and new and different for us. Well, I've had the opportunity to spend a bit of time in Denver. I've been there multiple times over the over the years, but I'm certainly looking forward to getting back. And I love the open expanse of that that scenery, the topography there. I mean, some of the images on your Instagram account are just mind blowing. And, and I'll go ahead and share this. And of course, we'll link to your Instagram account in the show notes. But if you guys go to if our listeners go to Instagram.com slash the Scobies, T-H-E and then S-C-O-B-E-Y-S. Uh, or of course, just the Scobies on, on your Instagram app. Make sure to, to check out their account. It's absolutely stunning work. By the way, I, I noticed that in your Instagram feed, you've, uh, you're only using the horizontal format. What was the thought process behind that? Yeah. So we, it's really funny when we first started our business, probably 10 years ago, we had like what we call vertical itis where we always shot images vertically. Yeah. Um, and just through the past handful of years, the more photojournalistic we've gotten, the more horizontal we shoot. And we find that, you know, when I, well, before Instagram let you like make your pictures horizontal in the feed and then go square, you know, in your actual account, I started doing that just for consistency sake and not, not kind of cutting out any part of the story we were trying to tell. And it just kind of stuck. 
I like it. Well, and, it, and for that reason, it stood out to me. It's just because it's not the norm. It's not what you normally see. And so I, I like it, but I was curious about the thought process behind it. I, I'd love this. I love the direction the conversation is going already, just kind of flowing naturally. But I will kind of bring us back to where we normally start our podcast interviews, conversations uh, with something that we call the aha moment. And very simply, this would be kind of the biggest or hardest lesson that you've maybe learned as a business owner or as a photographer so far. What comes to mind when you when you think of that? Yeah. So for me, the thing that immediately came to mind when I was thinking about the biggest and the most difficult lesson that we've learned, and just personally, it's that there is no there. Um, And, you know, at the beginning of our business, we had all of these goals to get to this place where things would be easy and get to this place where things would be better and that we would be there and it doesn't exist. Um, And that's a really difficult lesson to learn because it kind of feels like sometimes you can almost be chasing after nothing. I think that when you, when you settle with that and you realize that that is the case, it frees you up to live in the now and to find kind of contentedness with what not only your business looks like, but also just what your life looks like um, so that you don't really have to feel like you're chasing after anything. I, I like that. It actually reminds me of uh, a video that I saw the other day, and it was more audio than video, but probably many of our listens, listeners have heard of the name Alan Watts before. And if you guys just search Alan Watts on YouTube, I'm certainly not promoting or uh, endorsing uh, all of his content, but I was listening to some some audio, an old audio recording of him. And one of the things that he was talking about was how a lot of people look at um, life as a journey. And when you when you look at it as a journey, of course, the, the, the thought process there is that you're trying to get somewhere versus looking at life from the eyes of the perspective of a musician, where instead of you know, just simply playing the last note of the song, you're enjoying the process of creating that music. And, and I really liked that analogy. And I think it's a beautiful example and reminder of really how, I mean, you hear the phrase be present a lot these days, but this notion that we're trying to get somewhere constantly can be exhausting. And I think it's a really good reminder for all of our listeners to, to focus on truly being present, enjoying the process. Uh, it also reminds me of something that uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, probably many of you have heard of before. And if you, if you don't know Gary, for some reason, do a quick Google search or search on Instagram. But um, Gary talks about the importance of patience as well and how in our current culture, we expect things immediately. And that's just not how the business game works 99.9% of the time. Be okay with the process. Sit back and, and make yourself comf- well comfortable to a point, if you will, and, and mm-hmm. enjoy the journey. Enjoy the process. Be present. So that's a great reminder. Anything you want to add to that, Graham? Yeah. Well, I mean, on that thought, I just... It's, I, I like that analogy of, you know, of, of it being a creative pursuit, like, like a musician, right? Like in, in business and especially in a creative business as photographers, you know, uh, there is this temptation to look around at what other people are doing and say, you know, I'll be happy when X, you know, I'll be happy when I make as much money as them, or I'll be happy when I, you know, am recognized in the industry like they are, or, you know, I win this award or, you know, whatever it is, there's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity for us to compare and to kind of look around for validation and for uh, approval when, you know, in actuality, like if, if we just take that time and energy and focus it um, and put, put that time and energy, energy into 
um, being our best selves, being, you know, pursuing what is in our heart and what makes us tick, you know, we'll be so much better for it. Uh, so I, I really like that analogy a lot. The other thing that I was going to say, my, my aha moment, I think, or one of, one of my aha moments came even before we had a business, even before I even ever considered having a business when I was working at Starbucks and I had this manager who taught me that there's always something to be done. There's always something that I can be doing. There's always some way to be productive. And I hated it at the time because it meant that I uh, couldn't stand still at work, but it's really served us um, that having that mentality in our business to, to realize that, like Ashley said, there is no, there is no there. Like we, uh, and this, this is not an endorsement for being a workaholic. That's not mm-hmm. what I'm saying at all. But, sure. you know, there, there's always an opportunity to grow. There's always an opportunity to learn. There's always um, something that we can be doing to push things forward. And a lot of times in, for us, that's pushing our, our business into a more automated place so that we can spend time doing the things that we love with the people that, that we love. Absolutely. Which of course we're huge fans of here on the podcast and, and at Photographer's Edit. But it, that also reminds me of, and it's funny because I don't think I've ever mentioned Alan on the podcast before in the close to hundred episodes that we've done, but Alan Watts also talked about the the fact that we have so much time. And, and when he was saying this, this was actually back, I think in the, he passed away in the seventies. But one of the things he talked about is how we, we sit around spending so much time thinking about ourselves or thinking about our lives, thinking about the process versus doing. And I think it's really important that, and especially in this culture, I mean, you see it all over the place that the insecurity that not just photographers, but our culture or society is as a whole seems to struggle with. And certainly I'm, uh, I'm, I'm in that, that group, but people are talking about that a lot. And, and part of what is innate to insecurity is just simply having the time to, to sit and, and think about things or overanalyze things when we, could or really should just be out doing. Yes, we're going to make mistakes in the process of doing, but we ultimately learn from those, we correct course, and we move. We continue to move forward as you're suggesting. So I think that's also a really great recommendation as well. It's, it's so easy to get stuck in our heads as artist types, and, and the reality is that our business is going to be much better for us certainly being intelligent about decisions, but ultimately doing. And, and so that's, that's really, really good. I'd love to get to know you guys a little bit more. We've had the, the opportunity to spend a bit of time together, but along with our listeners, maybe you can kind of share something that, that most people don't know about you. You're, you're kind of in the public eye in the photography industry, but what's something kind of random about each of you that, that people may not know? I'm going to tell them about you. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Yeah, you, you should both do that. <laughs> so um, something that most people don't know about Graham and something that we don't talk about a lot is that Graham is awesome and that he, <laughs> before we ever dreamed of having a photography business, we moved out to LA when we first got married and he worked in audio post-production on movies and some like Oscar award-winning films Really, in, with a, a sound house. Is that what you call it? I shouldn't be talking about this because I know <laughs> nothing about it. Um, audio and audio post-production. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so did that for a couple of years before, before ever dreaming of being photographers. No way. I, that, that's funny. <laughs> now I cringe a little because I'm like, oh man, what is he thinking about that? The audio situation with, the, with this podcast. <laughs> now, I, I don't judge. Okay. Uh, that, was a, that was a past life. Yes. So. <laughs> I, did you, what was your background in that, Graham? I mean, how did you get into audio post-production? 
I, I went to school, so I um, have been a mu- musician my entire life, and I really enjoyed playing music and in high school got into recording music and kind of the technical side of, of music and I decided that I wanted to go to school for that. And while I was in school, I, I realized, you know, I was doing uh, a lot of work in music, but then I also got introduced to audio post-production and um, syncing sound effects to film and that kind of thing. And uh, I just kind of fell in love with it. And so I just happened to have actually Ashley had a, had a connection with a person that was out in LA in that industry. And he invited me to come and work on his team. So it was just kind of, uh, a random happenstance that I've, that I fell into it, but I, I really, uh, really enjoyed it while I was doing it. That's so cool. Can you, I, we may have talked about this actually when I was in Salt Lake, but it, what, can you mention a, a name or two of the movies that you worked on? Yeah. Um, I, I have an IMDB page that, <laughs> that oh, has, even better. Uh, we're going to, we're going to put that in the show notes for sure. <laughs> I, I, yeah, please don't. I think it only has like one, one credit. Most of the things that I was working on, I would be credited as like additional audio or even, I mean, there were a lot of projects I worked on that I was uncredited. And a part of that is it takes a while to get into the union. And by the time I was about to be unionized, I moved on to a different career. But I, I worked on Anthony Hopkins film called Slipstream. It was an independent film that he created. And I worked with some bigger director directors uh, on films. Uh, I'm not sure that I can say publicly what those films are because sure. I'm not technically credited. So <laughs> sure, yeah, no worries at all. Well, I, I'm just thinking Anthony Hopkins, like he is certainly one of my favorite voices to, to listen to in the movie and, and TV industry. So it wouldn't be a, a half bad job to, to have to edit his audio, I'm sure. Yeah, no, it was it was a fun project. He's a very creative person. And uh, it was fun working with him and getting to know him a little bit. We, we joke that Anthony Hopkins sent us Christmas. He used to send us uh, Christmas presents. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> so yeah, good old Tony. We go way back. I'm sure he he has no idea who I am. But, That's so funny. Uh, but we funny. get to we get to claim that at least. All right. Well, it's time for you to to spill the beans on uh, on Ashley. What's something uh, random that people don't know about her? <laughs> well, one thing you should know about Ashley is that she's she's good at whatever she tries, which is kind of infuriating to be around. <laughs> so there uh, there is certainly an energy about her. Like even when we were having lunch in Salt Lake just like anything any any point of conversation even even there was a certain energy just a very driven personality was behind it all you you sense that and, and so i bet that kind of drive enables you to be able to put to just throw yourself into anything ashley it does to a fault i think sometimes <laughs> okay okay <laughs> i have a really hard time saying no and i I want to do everything. Everything feels like an opportunity. And so Graham's really good at keeping me grounded and saying like, does this opportunity actually move us towards our goals? Is it actually connected to our purpose or is it one that's better left, you know, to the side? Um, So I'm really thankful to be doing business with someone who's able to, to give me that gift. Oh, and I, I thought of something that kind of relates to that. She, she is very driven. She's got this strange memory. Like she can't remember our first date, but she can remember the lyrics to every song that she's ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) And what, what's your favorite kind of music, Ashley? All of it. Everything. Uh, Everything. Okay. Be honest. Well, everything I guess, except for country, but I really like, like just dumb pop music. Like, Toto's Africa is um, <laughs> is one of my favorite songs. It's our like karaoke go to. Really? Uh, okay. So 
yeah, if you ever if you ever see us at a conference and they they have karaoke, just request that song and we will be up on that stage. <laughs> Link and I. That's pretty funny. Well, I mean, we we've talked a little bit about the two of you, but you guys also have two wonderful kids, Evie and and Webb. But I, talk a little bit about family um, because I know you put a lot of priority on family and, and time with each other as family. What does that look like for you? Like what, what's a day in the life of the Scobies look like? Yeah, I, it's, it's ever changing. We're, we're always trying to kind of streamline how we do family. <laughs> um, and it, you know, I, as, as you know, because you have kids, it, you know, they're always changing and their needs are always changing. Their schedule is always changing. But, you know, we try and be really intentional about the time that we spend with them and about just the way we, we utilize our time in general so that we, so that we don't get sucked into working all the time, um, which is a mistake that we made early on in our business when we only had um, Evie. There, there was a moment where we kind of looked up and realized that we had been working, you know, 60-hour weeks uh, together and we had not been intentional about uh, spending time as a family. And so uh, that's something over the past maybe what five or six years that we've, we've been really trying to stay focused on, but yeah, they're, they're amazing kids. Uh, Evie is, she's eight and she's, she's got Ashley's drive to do, to do things. And she's really good at whatever she tries like Ashley is. And Webb is three and he's, he's starting to be a three nager. Uh, (laughs) What does that, what does that mean? What does that look like? (laughs) He likes to get what he wants and he is learning um, that that is not always the case. (laughs) Sadly. Yes. (laughs) Just now getting into that place where he's like being a little more stubborn and asserting his will, um, wanting a lot of independence. I do it myself. He says all the time. Mm -hmm. I can do it myself. That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh man. I, but you know, it's those, that, that age has its challenges. I probably said this while we were having lunch in, in uh, Utah, but I, that, that age has its challenges. And yet it's so easy for me now to look back and just miss that. You know, there's a certain totally. innocence about that three-year-old stage of life that is just really, really beautiful. And so definitely soak it up. But how do you guys spend free? You're talking about putting priority on time together, free time together. How do you spend that together? Um, I mean, especially with the beautiful outdoors that you have, do you, do you find yourself outside a lot or what do you guys like to do together? Yeah, that, that is, if we have the opportunity to be outside, we are outside. Um, and a lot of time that a lot of times, especially between November and March or April, that looks like going into the mountains and taking ski days as a family, which we regularly do during the week. And other times it looks like going on camping trips or going hiking, just going on walks around the neighborhood. Anytime that we're able to get outside, we do because that's why we moved here and it's beautiful. Oh, I, yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, again, you, you guys, if you haven't seen their Instagram feed, you've got to go check it out because you're going to want to move to Colorado. When you get done. <laughs> I'm so extremely envious, but how you talked about the idea of automation earlier is, is, automation behind what enables you to have that time to spend with them? What, what, what is the kind of the driving factor that enables that kind of freedom to spend more time with your kids? Yeah. Yeah. We've become uh, somewhat obsessive with having efficient systems in our business. So, you know, there, there is a lot of, a lot of automation that, that 
has happened from the big things like you know coming up with s- systems to to move our our clients through a you know a good experience all the way down to like you know having template emails that we can send you know it, we've been doing this for 10 years now so we have a good feel for what questions people ask and when they ask them and so you know automating our communication has been a big a big time saver for us but you know, just focusing on how, how we can, well, Nathan, when I, when I was in your class at, at Photo Native, I, I heard you mention the four hour work week. That's, that's a, a book that we've kind of taken some concepts from and tried to apply to, to our business just in, in the way about thinking about the efficiency and effectiveness of a task and how to, how to constantly be creating more efficiency while maintaining um, effectiveness. So that's, that's been huge to free up time and then we also have the advantage of being a husband wife team so we can we can tag team even in the busy season you know if there's a lot going on you know i can i can work some extra hours in the office and ashley can uh, sp- spend those extra hours with the kids or vice versa so that's been really helpful as well. Totally. I would say too, another thing that's been really essential for us in creating time for ourselves has been a willingness to outsource. So I would say another aha moment in our business is when I realized that I wasn't necessarily the person who could do things best, like that there were other people that we could bring in who would be able to do things better than me. So we have a studio manager and we've had a studio manager for, I guess, five or six years now in our business. Mm -hmm. And just bringing people in who are able to support your business in a way that you don't have to be present in order to do. Yeah. yeah, that's so huge. And that's something that you mentioned the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. Of course, it's a book we've mentioned on the podcast a number of times at this point, but um, it's it's so important. We'll make sure to link to it in the show notes that the principles, first of all, to clarify something for those of you who haven't heard me comment on this before, Tim has actually spoken to the fact that when he, of course, the, the title, the four hour work week was uh, a great way to be able to sell a book. But ultimately what he said is, I, I wasn't suggesting that you only work four hours a week, that the what he was actually trying to teach was how to be most effective in as little time as possible. Mm-hmm. And so the principles that that drive that book, it may not necessarily translate to you working as little as four hours in a week. Uh, but what it does mean is that you are working more efficiently, um, as you alluded to earlier, Graham, and that then will enable you to minimize the amount of time spent in the office and maximize the amount of time uh, spent doing other things, whatever it might be, with with friends, family, working on a passion project or charity of some kind, whatever it might be, or even just shooting more. It will enable you to be able to do that. And of course, a very important segue to that is it's not just about creating more freedom for yourself, but it's also running a business in such a way that your business is actually able to grow while you're not having to be as busy. Uh, that's an important distinction to to also mention. So yeah, we'll make sure to link to that book in the show notes. It's, it's absolutely uh, vital. And ultimately, this kind of automation, you know, one of the things that I talked about, Graham, you alluded to my presentation in, in Salt Lake, but one of the things that I mentioned in that presentation, something that we've talked about here on the podcast before as well, is the, the importance of minimizing the number of moving parts. When we're talking about trying to create an efficient workflow, it's really important to get rid of the unnecessary moving parts. If they're not a reflection of your bigger picture goals, then get rid of them. And that can that can be everything from you know the pieces of software that you use in your workflow down to the pieces of gear in your camera bag. Um, 
it, it's amazing how easy it is to be busy as business owners and yet busy doing things that aren't actually important to the bigger sure. picture goals. And then to your point, Ashley, about outsourcing, this is, you know, it's, it's funny and it's ironic and even kind of a little bit sad, but this is, it's a good reminder for me to hear that yet again, despite the fact that I own a company that is centered around that idea of delegation or outsourcing a task or tasks that don't require your involvement, that can help minimize the busy work. I have to be reminded of the importance of that, even having a team of my own to make sure that I'm handing tasks off that aren't, that don't require my involvement so I can focus on things that are ultimately going to be best for the company. And it's really, really important to do that. And I think a lot of times business owners let their ego, and, and, and again, I'll raise my hand here, let their ego get in the way and assume that they have to be involved uh, when really, if we're willing to set ego aside a little bit, and, and delegate some of that work, we can actually focus on the things, first of all, that will actually help move the business forward. Um, but then secondly, ultimately, that will enable us to have that kind of freedom and flexibility that we're talking about. So th- these are good reminders. Again, I love the fact that we keep coming back to these principles here on the podcast. Uh, we all need the reminders, including myself. So this is really, really good. I, I want to move on to the business side of things and talk a little bit about your photography business. How long have you guys been in business? And, and give us kind of the brief history as to how you got started. Yeah. So we're rounding the corner to our 10 year anniversary, a decade of being, awesome. I think this month at some point. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we started our business in 2008. We had just moved across the country from, uh, from Los Angeles to Connecticut. So, you know, a little bit of, of the backstory now I was working in the, in the movie industry. And um, when Ashley graduated from her undergrad, she uh, started applying to grad schools to kind of go go further in her field. At the time, she was studying communication, and uh, she got an offer from UConn to uh, come and teach there and get her master's while she was teaching. And so the the offer was a really good one, and we decided, you know, why not? Let's do this. And we moved across the country, and I f- I quickly realized that there was no movie industry in Connecticut. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> and so. Um, so we were both kind of at this these crossroads of what we were what you know what we wanted to be when we grew up basically and uh, photography was something that that we both enjoyed. Ash and I grew up together. We met when we were eleven or twelve, mm-hmm. something like that. And so you know, growing up, you kind of share hobbies with your best friends, and uh, photography was one of those things for us. And so we decided, you know, when we arrived in Connecticut that there was no better time than then to, to try and start something, uh, start a photography business. And we did, we did really poorly. We, we started a, a, a photography business that was not focused or, um, as you do when you're starting a business, yeah, yeah of course, had a, had a really bad website, so and, bad. <laughs> you know, we would, we would shoot for peanuts, you know, and, and do anything and everything just to get our feet wet. Do you ever go back to the uh, what do they call it the, um, the the time machine where you can you can put you can search your your um, business's URL and go back and see the old websites that you created? Oh, please don't! <laughs> it was so bad, Nathan. It was so bad. Yeah, it was really bad. I think we had a different domain too, so luckily we have some protection. I'm not going to tell you. Best of luck. <laughs> well, I still I still laugh when I think about my our, our original business name was Expressive Photography. Expressive. Yes. Yeah. This was in 2000. What was it? 2001, I think. Um, yeah. And, and we were using this script font. 
uh, for the business cards, expressive photography. It's yeah, it's funny to think back to those days, the things that we used to do. It, we can laugh now, but uh, a little cringeworthy <laughs> as well. Totally, yeah, and absolutely. we were so proud of them. And <laughs> absolutely, of the things that we learned because of those different businesses. That's right. I, I feel like the. I mean, honestly, the website we have now is the first one that I feel like really proud of. So it took us a while to get there. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure in ten years we'll look back on it and be like, "What were we thinking?" Yes. Totally. Yeah. Well, there's there's always room for improvement, and it, it is. I mean, it can you, at least you can look back and say, "Hey, you know what? We're better than we were ten years ago." It'd be be a problem if you couldn't say that. So yeah, totally. But photography. I mean, these days, I you know, we can speak to a specific market, but really, just photographers nationally or internationally, for that matter, there, there are so many of them, especially in the wedding and portrait photography space. But specifically in the Denver area, I'm sure you have a really crowded market. How do you guys set yourself apart from? the market there? What, what is your business's brand position? Yeah, this this question was really interesting for me to think about because it has changed so much. In Atlanta, we were our business's brand position almost accidentally. Like we weren't super proactive about it. We became this very high-end kind of commodity wedding photography brand and worked with a lot of very well-to-do clients and shot a lot of very large ballroom weddings and mostly just through networking and having some amazing wedding planners that we worked with consistently who fed us business and who were just really in our corner and really wonderful, but feeding us the kind of business that didn't necessarily connect with who we are as people. And so thinking about this question, I was like, oh, oh my goodness, we're in this place right now where we have, there is a lot of intentionality surrounding our business's brand position and we've moved across the country. And now the thing that we do to set ourselves apart is to be very clear about how personal the experience is and about who we are and our investment level in our clients and just kind of the values that we have. So yeah. just to add to that, I mean, I think one one thing that we've noticed, is, especially in this market, but this is probably true in most markets, is that that photographers tend to tend to position themselves based on what they are rather than who they are. So you see a lot of you see a lot of photographers um, websites and I'm not, and this is not a dig because we've, we've done the same thing and it, it's not necessarily that this doesn't work. It just is, we're doing things different now, but sure. I, I see a lot of photographers positioning themselves as, you know, we are elopement fine art film photographers, or we are nice. wedding photojournalists. Um, and like I said, we we've done that in the past. Um, we've identified ourselves that way. Now what we've done, and, and this has been a bit of a process for us, but we've, we've gone back and, and um, positioned ourselves based on who we are, um, what our values are, uh, rather than, than what we do necessarily. And so, you know, we, the, the three pillars that we've built our business on are that we love people. We think people are good. We think if we did nothing but invest in people, that that would be a life well spent. Uh, number two is relationships. We think relationships are fascinating. We think that if we did nothing but, well, we've, we be, we believe that relationships can be transformative um, for people and uh, it's that we're created to be in relationship, that we function as humans better in relationship than we do outside of it. And then the last thing is is moments. And that really came from having kids and realizing that, you know, they're two days old one day and then they're two years old and then they're eight, eight years old. And, uh, uh, there's all of these moments that are flying by. And, um, you know, if, if we are, if, if we do our job right as photographers, we get to be sort of like 
time travelers and, and magicians at the same time. Like we can, we can catch one of those moments and we can go back and feel what we felt in that moment again. And so we've kind of built a brand based around those three things rather than like, you know, we're wedding photojournalists or we're portrait artists or we, you know, uh, we shoot this type of wedding. Instead we say, you know, this is who we are. And what we found is that we're, we're working with clients who, whose values are aligned with ours and our, our creativity has flourished in those under those conditions. Um, we've really been able to like push what we, what we do creatively because we have people who understand us as humans who value the same things that we do and who trust us implicitly with our, with our craft. So that's been kind of a huge breakthrough for us. Um, I'd say in the past, you know, few years to, to be able to shift the way that we position ourselves. And, and what do you think is the drawback to focusing on? I, I love the distinction you made, the, the what versus the who. What's the drawback to focusing on the what versus the who? Yeah, there are a lot of people who are doing <laughs> what you're doing. I mean, there are a lot of us, you know, when people talk about um, how oversaturated their market is, which is something that we hear from everyone in everywhere. Every market, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So apparently every market is oversaturated um, and it's something that everybody worries about. And we totally get that. But the question isn't what is everyone else doing? The question is, who are you? Because that is unique. And that is something that you can own and communicate in a very distinct way that will attract the right people. And you're not competing with anybody else to be who you are. And yeah. And those things inform the what. So it's not as if we're, we're setting our clients up uh, with this very nebulous, like, you know, here's who we are, but you don't really understand what we do. Like we, you know, we can explain how people, moments and relationships influence every decision that we make, even like the way that we shoot and what we look for. But to our knowledge, currently, there's nobody else that, that has created a brand around those three things specifically. So uh, we automatically are kind of standing out when people talk to us and they talk to five other photographers, they have a totally different conversation with us than they, than they would with any of those other photographers. So, yeah, I think like Ashley said, when you position yourself from a place of here's what we do, you're essentially kind of leveling the playing field. You're saying like, we're, we're the same as what everybody else is doing. You know, they're doing it cheaper. (laughs) Right. And they're doing it cheaper. Then it becomes a you know, if I'm buying a car and they all, you know, all five cars that I'm looking at do the same thing and have the same features, why would I not go with the least expensive of those five options? Yeah, it totally makes sense. Well, I, I love that point. But I, and I also like the point that you made earlier about the significance of the experience when it comes to doing business with somebody who has similar values too. Now the conversations just flow that much more naturally. You're drawn to that, that person, whether you're the client or the photographer, it's a lot easier to work with them. And then ultimately because of the relationship that's, that's established as a result, the images are likely to be much more natural and ultimately much more beautiful because you're going to have genuine emotion. And that's really important to a, to a great image. So the idea of, of actually being different than someone else when uh, to the point that you made, Ashley, there are so many other people doing essentially what you're doing. Um, it's a bit of a challenge. And especially in a noisy world, it's, it's tough to craft a message, a brand message that clearly positions yourself against that so-called noise. So this is a challenge that we face as photographers. I love that you guys are thinking about that uh, so proactively, and it's something that we all need to do. Um, but let's go ahead and kind of segue from that um, to a slightly different topic and really one that I wanted to, to kind of focus on today, something that, that you all spoke on at that Photo Native conference in Salt Lake 
um, was a, a topic that is a it's a big topic, and I think you ultimately were speaking to the workflow that enables this concept. But it's the idea of being able to go after your dreams, and this is a phrase that uh, I mean, frankly, it's. You hear it a lot, not only in our industry these days, but just in culture in general, because of course it feels good to to consider the notion of going after your dreams. But so that we make sure for the sake of the podcast and this conversation today that it doesn't sound trite, I'd love for you all, you both, um, to just comment on what that means to you and what do you think it uh, might mean for a photographer who is running their own business? Yeah, absolutely. So for us, going after our dreams means building and living a life that is filled with purpose and joy and meaning. Um, and just having a business that supports that um, pretty much is what that means. Like, I think, you know, neither Graham or I would say that our purpose is to be photographers. We love photography. We find a lot of joy and fulfillment in photography. Um, but our purpose is outside of that. And so the more our business can support what our purpose as human beings is, the better. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think, I think uh, Ashley and I, we, we dream differently. This is something that we talk about. We, I'm a very like pie in the sky dreamer. Like, what if we did this thing? And we, you know, it, it was huge. And, you know, my, my ideas are like, what if we built an elevator to the moon or whatever, you know, like just kind of crazy out there. Yeah dreams and Ashley's a much more practical dreamer. She's like, you know, here, here's my list of to do's that I'm going to get done this week. (laughs) Ashley, were you, were you laughing at the recent Elon Musk rocket launch and and him sending that car into space? Is that? (laughs) Yeah. And you know who told me about that? Graham. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. But I didn't mean to interrupt you, Graham. Go ahead. No, no, it's all right. Um, So one thing, when we talk about dreaming, it's important to realize that there's like, there's validity to uh, the way that you dream, whether you're a big pie in the sky dreamer like I am, or you're a practical kind of, you know, let's get stuff done dreamer like Ashley. And it's helpful to, to surround yourself with people who dream different, differently than you, because they'll push you in different ways. But um, that's probably another tangent that we, we shouldn't go down. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, for, for us, like to, to echo what Ashley was saying and maybe to add a little bit more, the idea, like our, our, our dreams come from somewhere. We believe that like we have, that we have this purpose in, in our life that each of us individually has, um, some purpose, you know, and, and a big part of the equation is getting in touch with what that purpose is, figuring out who you are as a person, what makes you tick, Um, what do you believe in? What do you value it? What my favorite question is, you know, uh, if you could, if you could do anything, anything in the world and know that you would be successful, know that there was no failure. There's, there's no fear of failure. What would that thing be? That, that always seems to be like a good kind of North star or, or indication of like where your purpose lies. right? Right. So you know, for us, it's really important to, to connect to that dreamer inside of us, kind of that purpose behind what we're doing, and then connect everything in our life back to that thing. And that's, that's really where like our brand position came from, um, because we love people and we value relationships and we want to celebrate moments like those, those things are purposeful for us. And so we decided, you know, why live outside of that in our work life? You know, we've, we do those things in our personal life. Why not do those things in our, in our work life as well? This is really good. I, I love the distinction made between the end goal 
and the means to that end goal. And, and, you know, the fact that you mentioned that photography really is just essentially a means to an end, the end being the purpose and the photography being one of the means to that end. And I, I, this, this kind of bigger picture thinking, I mean, this is something that we discussed quite a bit on the book of podcasts as of late. Uh, it's really important to, to be very, very clear about your value set that's driving your goals, which then um, enables you to be able to think more clearly about the, the business model that you're creating, which can essentially enable those goals to be accomplished. So again, the photography or the business being the means to that end. And that distinction is so important. But I, I love how practical you've already made this. But, but let's just kind of, let's make it even more practical. Where's the difference or where's the line between kind of going after your dreams blindly? And, and I, I kind of tend to be that person, like going to jump and, you know, build your wings on the way down personality uh, versus applying maybe a bit of foresight uh, or forethought, a bit of intelligence to that process? Where is, where's the line there? Yeah, but that's a great question. And I think for every person, it's different. You know, I think there are, there's a certain personality type that does well with jumping and, and building their wings on the way down. <laughs> that's a strategy for sure. Yeah, <laughs> it is a strategy. I, strategy might yeah. be a stretch, but yeah, it's a way, it's certainly a way to go about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think, you know, there's also a personality for which that idea is debilitating. Like there's no way that I'm going to jump because what if I don't build the wings, right? (laughs) Like what if I can't figure that out? And so, you know, a a lot of, a lot of what we teach when we talk about dreaming, um, is, is I'm sure frustrating to people when they, when they hear us (laughs) talk about it, but a lot of it comes back to being, introspective, like doing the, doing the hard work on the front end of figuring out like, who am I? What are, what are, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? You know, when, when we mentor people, the first thing that we do is we have them take a personality test to be aware of themselves, to know themselves. So, you know, the practical uh, of this, I think differs depending on, on who you are, but I, I would say that there are some, some common practices across all personality types that are that, that are helpful. Yeah. And I think that introspection is usually the place to start. I think that you can't create a North star. You can't create a target to aim at until you've done the hard work of asking yourself these questions of why do I want to do this? Why is this important? Why does it matter to me? How will it change my life? How will it change the life of the, the lives of the people around me? And it's something that we believe in so strongly that we've done not only for our business, but we also have family rules and they're written and displayed on our wall. Like we think it's so important that these things are not only just thought about and said once, but then written down and referenced back to, and kind of like a canon that you can hold over your family or your business. So that when you're faced with a question of, should we do this or should we not do this? Should we take this client or should we not take this client? You can always look to that. And for us, we can say, well, does this decision honor people? Does it cherish moments? Does it celebrate relationships? Um, And if it does, then it's a yes. And if it doesn't, it's a no. Yeah. So one thing that Ashley's really good at is breaking things down. So when you have like, I'm really good at coming up with these big grand ideas. (laughs) You mentioned that. (laughs) (laughs) And by really good at, at it, I mean, I'm just I'm good at imagining that I'm an amazing human in the future. Um, <laughs> and Ashley's good at poking holes in that. No, she, <laughs> an example is like, 
you know, if I were to say, okay, I want to be an international destination wedding photographer, you know, my, my approach to that would be like, okay, great, let's go do it. Let's, uh, you know, and then I would get, you know, a few weeks past saying that out loud and realize that I hadn't done anything proactive towards that. But that was just my dream. You know, I, I would love for that to happen. Whereas Ashley can, can look at something like that and say, okay, well, what does that mean that we need to do to accomplish this year to, you know, to be moving towards that goal? And what does that mean that we need to accomplish this month? What do we, what do we need to do, you know, this week? What do we need to do today to start moving that ball forward? Um, there's a great book called The Lean Startup. Nathan, have you read that? I haven't personally read it, but I, this is this kind of goes along the, the lines of the minimalist approach to doing business, correct? It's well, yeah. Lean is a. I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher it if I try and explain it, but it's it's a method of manufacturing that a lot of a lot of tech start startups have adopted, like their way of thinking. Okay. The the concept is that you're always like you're taking action first, no matter what, no matter what you're trying to build or create or do, you're you're taking action as the first step. So instead of spending a whole lot of time planning and strategizing, you just go for it. You just like your best first guess, let's, let's create a minimum viable product and get it out into the world. Yes. Um, because when we, when you can do that, then you learn, right. You, you're able to measure the feedback that you're getting from people and learn from that and then refine your product. And, um, that we found that that, that approach to dreaming is, is, has been the most successful thing that we've tried. So, um, you know, when we have ideas now, one, one thing we're working on right now is creating, uh, online education for photographers. And we've, we've started that, we started that process last year. We started selling courses online. And the way that we did that was we just, we did what we knew. We got, we got a group of people together that wanted to learn about photography and we taught them and we had somebody come and film it for really cheap. And we, you know, had this very, very basic product that we created and we put it into the world Uh, and we saw how people were reacting to it. We saw the people that were buying it, which gave us clarity on our market for future products. You know, we learned so much through just doing something. Um, whereas if we had, if we had taken the approach of, let me figure this out first, let's spend a year strategizing and coming up with the best plan to put it out there. We may not have made the same kind of progress that we've made through just going after it. Yeah. Well, and then when you set yourself up to be in a position where failure is crippling, you know, like you put everything that you have, everything that you know into something and you launch it and people don't like it, then you don't view that failure as a learning experience. You view it as like, oh, they hate me. I've, I've given everything I right. had. It wasn't accepted. So I just should quit versus when you just kind of start and move along. Every failure is just like, oh, well, this one thing didn't work. Not right. everything, not the whole thing, just this one thing. So what can I learn from that? And you just keep going. And Absolutely. So kind of well, rinse and, and repeat that cycle. Exactly. Well, and, and there again, innate to that is that idea of setting ego aside, right? It, we don't put so much importance on how we look through that process as much yeah. as how can we learn from it, just like you said. So I think that's really good. I like the fact that you started with, again, the emphasis on values, being really clear about your values and filtering, using those values as a filter as to what you should be doing next. I think that's really important. That's why it matters, uh, as you were also saying to, to both of you, res- alluding to the importance of introspection and thinking through these things. Um, it, it's we take the time up front, the in, make the investment, the time investment, energy investment up front to think through our value set, establish our value set very, very clearly, know where we want to go, 
And then after that, focus on the doing, as you also said. So now, now that we have those, those values established, we can filter what we're doing through those values. And then we start doing, and as I said earlier, we course correct. Uh, we make adjustments as we go. And I think that's really important to understand that that's just going to happen. That's innate to running and building a business. And you've got to set a ego aside. You've got to be, be willing to, to make mistakes and to learn from those, course correct, and, and do something better. Uh, I, I think this is really, really great practical information. And in fact, let's go ahead and just use that as a segue and make it even more practical. If if our listeners, you know, they're you know, I've got they say I've got this idea, a dream, if you will, um, and they want to act on that dream. What are some kind of next steps that they can take? And I think we've already kind of given them a, a really great outline, but maybe you can get even more specific with some next steps that they can take in order to both vet that dream, but then also make it a reality. Absolutely. So the first thing they should do is take that dream and break it down. Um, So, you know, if your pie in the sky dream is that I want to build a rocket ship and I want to fly to the moon, then you need to break that down into your objectives. And your objectives are just the step-by-step process of getting through your how, right? They're the breakdown of that big, big thing. So I have to, you know, source my metal for the rocket ship and I have to start an Instagram account so that I can share the process of building my rocket ship. And then I need to figure out where I'm going to launch my rocket ship from you just every single step to getting that rocket ship launched, you break it down and then you take those objectives and you put them on your calendar. So some of them are things you can do this week. And like Graham said, some of them are things you can do, you know, next month or the next month. And you honor those things like a meeting with a client. You honor those things as something that not just you want to do, but you have to do. And it's, it's really important when you're, when you're creating those objectives to, to break it down far enough that you, that you can take the first step. Like yes. today, you can take the first step. So one, one example is when, when we were getting started, uh, when we had just moved to Connecticut and I was trying to figure out like photography and Ashley was teaching at UConn, uh, you know, I wanted to work at a photography studio. I wanted to learn and kind of mentor under some, somebody who, who had done what I wanted to do. Uh, and so the practical breakdown of making that happen was that, every day I would send three emails out to photographers that I admired. And that was something that I could do on a daily basis. That was something that was an action that I could take um, again and again until I, until I had some sort of feedback that I could work on and learn from and, uh, and refine, you know, that process. Absolutely. But those are bite-sized pieces, right? And that's really important. I'm glad that you're making this, uh, this distinction between um, that kind of the big idea and then the pieces that make up the process for that bigger idea. I mean, on a kind of a more nerdy level, if you will, we're talking about the difference between a project and a task. A project is something that requires multiple steps to accomplish. And if we look at that one big project or that big idea on its own, it's going to seem absolutely overwhelming. And the likelihood that you're going to take a next step in order to accomplish that project or that idea or that big goal is not as high. Whereas if you break it down into manageable tasks, like, hey, I need to send three emails. I mean, that, you can do that in a few minutes. That's, that's awesome. You, now these are actionable. They're, they're manageable. And you're more likely then to, to be consistent and taking those day-to-day actions in order to accomplish the bigger goals. So I love the, the, the fact that you're di- making that distinction. This is good. Absolutely. So break it down, schedule those objectives once you have it broken down, and then invite your community to be a part of it. And that's something that we are huge believers in because as entrepreneurs in a creative small business, we spend a ton of time 
by ourselves <laughs> behind our computer screens or yeah. looking at our phones. Um, and community and inviting diversity in your community makes all of your dreams better. Like they become your tribe who is able to help you refine your ideas, push your ideas forward, hold you accountable. All of this beauty comes with community. And it's something that we have to invite in because oftentimes the type of business owners that we are, these solopreneurs, um, we we don't just happen upon that type of community. Yeah, there's there's this great TED Talk that, uh, Nathan, maybe I can send you the link for. That'd be uh, great in the show notes, but there's a researcher named Steven Johnson and he's, he's talking about his quest to find where good ideas come from. And, you know, he, he was studying the enlightenment as, as this period of time where, you know, humanity moved forward in such a big way. And he makes an argument in that Ted talk for the coffee house and the emergence of the coffee house being the catalyst that drove society forward uh, through the enlightenment. And his point was that, you know, for the first time you had this, you had this place where people who looked different and sounded different and thought different and believed different were all coming to one place, um, all different socioeconomic backgrounds, all different um, races and creeds and religions. Every, these people were getting together in one singular place and then uh, getting hopped up on caffeine so that all they wanted to do was talk <laughs> about the idea. It's so um, true. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as they were talking all, you know, this thought diversity was being, you were, you were marinating your idea in thought diversity, you know, people from different backgrounds were looking at your idea and saying, well, no, that's not going to work because, you know, look at, look at it this way. I've tried it, you know, I've done this thing or, you know, my life experiences has uh, given me this perspective. And so you had like this huge step forward um, in society because, we were inviting diversity into the the equation. We were we were surrounding for you know maybe the first time we were surrounding ourselves with people who had different ideas than we did, um, and so everybody's ideas flourished because of it. I, this actually reminds me of a book. Um, we've we've mentioned a, a variety of resources today. So again, for those of you listening in, we'll make sure to to link to these books and websites and TED Talk and and everything else in the show notes. But it reminds me of a book uh, by. Howard, uh, not Howard Schultz. Yeah, Howard Schultz, uh, the former CEO of um, Starbucks, wrote a book called Onward. And um, in that, he one of the things he talks about in the company culture, referencing the company culture, is that they wanted to, to create a place with Starbucks that was a, um, a gathering place, a place where the local neighborhood could come together. And I, you know, I still spend time working at Starbucks uh, quite a bit, actually, or other coffee shops in, in the area. And um, even just recently, I've been a little bit more, I guess, in some ways, proactively going to or create creating conversation uh, with those people that are coming in that I recognize that I see from time to time and say, hey, but actually having conversation with them. And it's amazing how quickly, uh, first of all, we just benefit naturally as human beings connecting with other human beings. And and as you were saying, being able to have a conversation with somebody who has a different perspective than you. But it was amazing as well how quickly I benefited on a business level professionally as a result of just having a little bit of conversation. I mean, just a few minutes worth being able to make a connection with somebody who could potentially benefit my business in one way or another. And that sounds a little bit selfish. Again, that's just kind of one of the multiple benefits. But uh, ultimately, it's really, truly important that we do get connected. And and, uh, I've been reminded of this particularly in the last, um, I'd say, six months to maybe a year or so 
Uh, as much as I've, I tend to be kind of a recluse in some ways, I realize that I always thri- end up thriving. I have a higher level of energy personally and professionally when I'm connected consistently, even if it's for short spurts of time that I'm connected with a community. And I love the fact that not only they can bring support, um, a different perspective and help you develop ideas, but also create a certain level of accountability. Um, because it is really easy to create these, I know we keep using the, the phrase pie in the sky, but these kind of big business ideas and not necessarily follow through on them. And I'm, I'm very much guilty of that. But if you've got that community behind you saying, hey, what's next? Where's, where's that thing that you said you're doing? Yep. Uh, it's nice to have that kind, of, uh, that kind of accountability as well. So we start by breaking it down, uh, making it uh, in, into manageable pieces. And uh, actionable pieces at that, creating a timeline to go along with that, and then inviting community to help support you, bring accountability and uh, perspective. And then what's what's another step? Yeah, so um, so you've got breaking it down. You've got the the actionable steps, like you said, putting it on your schedule, inviting your community in, and then I mean, I, I think the hardest the hardest step is is the follow through, and that's a that's a piece that community helps with a lot. Like you just mentioned, you, when you surround yourself with other dreamers, you have baked in accountability. (laughs) You have people who are, they're rooting for you and they want to see you succeed. Um, but you know, the, the hardest step is just putting pen to paper. You know, the, um, there's a great book, the war of art by Stephen Pressfield. And he talks about this concept of resistance. And he says, the more important something is, to us, the more resistance we're going to be, we're going to feel about doing anything about that. <laughs> um, which I, I don't know if, if you've experienced this, Nathan, but I totally experience it. Anytime, you know, I want to start a diet or, you know, I want to start a new uh, spiritual pursuit or I want to start a new business. Like the, the, I experience an extreme amount of resistance to, to doing that, even though, you know, it seems counterintuitive. Like my, my heart wants it. I want this thing. Um, but something in my brain is getting in the way, you know, I think some of that can be tied, tied to the fear of failure, but whatever it is, you know, Stephen Pressfield gives it a name. He says it's resistance. Um, and he just, he talks about the importance of sitting down and doing the hard work every day, you know, whether, whether that means you're sending out three emails like I did, (laughs) or you're sitting down and you're writing a paragraph of that novel that you, you want to write, you know, there at, at a certain point, you, you have the plan, you have the tools, you have the systems, and then it's just up to you to do the work. You know, I think that's, that's the most important thing to realize and be realistic about is that at the end of the day, like the, nobody else is going to push my dream forward for me. I've got to do the hard work of, of pushing it forward. Yeah, no, that that's so true. And I, th- I think, you know, we're so used to in our culture that this, this, I mean, we have it easy. Let's just be real. Most mm-hmm. of us have it really, really easy. So when we face some type of obstacle, um, there is a tendency to just kind of give in too easily many times. And the reality is we just have to push forward. And uh, I mean, I, I, I challenge myself by, by questioning, I guess, ultimately my value set, my character, if I'm letting something kind of get me down too easily to push beyond that, to push past that and just do, as you're saying, Graham, I think that's really good. And Ashley, you were about to say something. I'm sorry. Oh, you're totally fine. Um, I was going to say, you know, along the same lines of what you were just saying, like 
it it's actually such a gift if you think about it, because we do have it so easily that the things that stand in our way most often are not as big as we create them to be in our heads. You know, like we think that there's this giant scary monster in our closet when in reality, like my biggest struggle is just really time management. My biggest struggle is is not binge watching, you know, the newest Real Housewives episode. (laughs) You know what I mean? Or letting myself get sucked into Facebook for two hours. Yeah, absolutely. The thing that stands between me and my goals is not, you know, not to get too, um, like, I don't know, philosophical here, but it's not like a lack of food or shelter. It is, it is such, it's these small things. And the other part that's really encouraging about this is that doing that thing, taking that action already sets you apart from the other 95% of people in the world who let those things stand in their way Um, because people do want an easy life. And sometimes that becomes more important to us than having a purposeful life. Um, And so you kind of have to have one or the other. You don't get both. Oh, I I mean, you you summed it up beautifully. And and in fact, I'm not going to even try to add to that. I think that's a great way to kind of sum up our conversation as a whole. You know, at the end of the day, we just have to do. And I I love that that's been a theme throughout the conversation today. But I also know that our listeners um, could stand to to learn more. They may be curious to learn more about these principles, these concepts. You you all mentioned that um, you have some education that you've been developing for a while. So I'd love for you to share where our listeners can find that as well as find you guys online, your website, social media, et cetera. Yeah, you can find our educational resources on our website. Uh, If you go to thescobies.com, there's a a link to education. That's kind of a constantly evolving thing. We're going to be adding more content there in the coming months. So you can kind of keep track of what we're doing. We have a um, a workshop coming up in Colorado, and then we also offer mentoring sessions. um, And we'd love to to chat if, you know, people feel like we could uh, help them in their businesses but yeah, Ashley is our social media guru, so she can tell you where to find us on social media. I'm I'm not even very sure. I am far from <laughs> sure. I don't even know. I was just sitting in my office. Yeah, we are the Scobies on Instagram and then on Facebook, we're facebook.com slash scoby photography. But we do not post there nearly as often as we are on Instagram. So if you guys want to reach out to us, feel free to reach out to us there. You can always email us at hello at the um, And yeah, we're just, we're genuinely interested in investing in and encouraging other small business owners because it's a hard thing you guys are doing and it's, it's worthy and important. Well, this is, this has been very generous of y'all to make so much time to share with our listeners. Um, I know you have kids to get back to, to take care of and businesses to run. So I'm going to let you do that. Thank you so much for making time. We'll make sure to link to all of these resources again in our show notes. And um, thank you guys for, for sharing with our listeners today. Thanks for inviting us. Yeah. It was super fun. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. We let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app. And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. Thank you.